0: world-class media. This is world-class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on world-class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind the scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are, and that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time, because you're listening to World Class. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to World Class. All right, so... This is the first segment of something that we are calling Ask Travis. Um, So for those of you who are not super familiar with what I've done in the past or what my work is, uh, we recently just started this new show called World Class. And uh, the reason for that was I was running this other show called Build Your Network, and I still do. Uh, By the way, we're uh, around 400 episodes for that as of right now. And so through 400 episodes, I was talking to a lot of really cool people. And I just noticed that the conversations started to drift away from networking. And so to kind of keep that pure, the the subject of that, of that podcast, more centered around the topic that I started it around, um, which was teaching people how to properly build relationships and to not be the networking net at the party. Um, because of that, I wanted to create another show where we could kind of get into more stories and conversational um, types of things. And so that's how... That's how world class was born. Um, so what we, what we decided to do after a second was uh, bring in another segment that we have never done before, uh, something called Ask Travis. So if you are not in my Facebook group, uh, then head over to travischapel.com slash group. And every week we'll have a thread in there where we ask for more questions for the upcoming Ask Travis episode. Um, And so you will actually have a chance to film a video, throw it in there, and if you're selected, we'll pick that up, put it in the YouTube channel uh, and the podcast. So I am here with my producer, Eric.
1: What's up? What's going on, man? Nothing much. So I
0: asked Eric to come in on these things so that uh, it wouldn't just be me talking to a camera and it makes it a little bit easier to bounce things off of people uh, with this setup. So I asked him to come in and I, I feel like we're going to have to give you a nickname at some point, uh, because I don't want to say welcome Eric I'm very so to the show every that. single time. And, uh, well, you're going to have to get over that because it's just going to have to be the nature of this uh, type of a setup. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to go from there. Um, but anyway, so last name is Skorzynski, uh, which I still have a lot of trouble spelling, even though I type and it out pronouncing frequently. apparently, but that's yeah, fine. Okay. Well, how would you pronounce it? Skorzynski. Right? skorzynski
1: skorzynski, yeah, skorzynski that has <laughs> to be the proper pronunciation that's, not it.
0: that's like the swiss pronunciation or whatever it is what is it is it polish polish yeah polish. oh well there's just a plethora of jokes waiting for you there you go yeah, perfect great okay cool. so skorzynski um uh maybe it was just we just have to abbreviate it like eric ski or something like that it's fine with me eric that works so that's eric good eric ski Whatever you pay the bill,
1: you pay the bills I don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, I'm curious, by the way, if you're watching this uh, in a future segment, a future episode you want to drop some ideas in the comments here for potential videos in the future. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit the little bell notification icon so you get notified when our new videos drop, which is going to be twice a week. If you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast app that you prefer, then make sure you go hit that subscribe button, leave a quick rating and review. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump in, man. Uh, We got a ton of questions on our our first thread that we posted. So let's kind of start rolling through these.
1: I'm going to start you off with a softball question. Okay. Because I know your answer already. All right. What's been your key to blowing up? What's, wait, you know my answer? Yeah, I know your Okay. What's my answer? Networking.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, sure. Yeah, Build that's your network. That, that is definitely, you know, the majority of that answer. Um, but uh, uh, more specifically, I would say that it was, and who is this question from? Uh, this is from Robbie Ripple.
1: Rip, Ripple. Ripple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's cool. So first off, what's up, Robbie? Hope you're recovering from your surgery really well. Um, yeah. So the, the key for me that I think was a differentiator, which is really, I think the question that you're asking is, is it was networking. Yeah. But it was more strategic than that. Um, I think that the main thing that made it work for me was that I on purpose wanted to go share credibility with people. And this all came from Um, a a time in my life where I was really studying a lot on persuasion and psychology and different things like that. And there was a few books that I had read that talked about the uh, association tendency, which basically means that if you associate with somebody or something frequently enough, then people will start to perceive you as being the same as that thing that they already have a perception uh, uh, built on. And so uh, I noticed myself doing that when I was looking at podcasts or when I was looking up YouTube channels or when I was deciding if I wanted to buy a book from Barnes and Noble, even, um, looking at the back cover, I would always look to see like, who's endorsing the book, who's writing the forward. Um, who's the guests on their show? Who are the people that they're bringing on their YouTube channel? Um, who are the people that they're rubbing shoulders with all the time? Because if they're all high quality people, then chances are this person's pretty high quality. And I knew that I had done that in my own mind subconsciously and figured it out after like reading a bunch of stuff about it. And, uh, and then started realizing it that I did it all the time, that it just was something that was constant. And, uh, and that's what the entire endorsement industry is built off of. You know, all these pro athletes and celebrities um, that make, you know, even some of the ones that aren't the superstars that are making less than <clears throat> $10 million a year in their salaries or their contracts. They make infinitely more money in endorsements because of that, because people know the person and they, they associate trust and credibility with that person. And so when that person comes out and endorses a brand or something that you've never heard of, you automatically assume that that brand has at least a level of credibility that can be trusted or else that person that you already trust wouldn't be endorsing that brand. And so that's basically the same thing. When people uh, when, I, when I was looking for people to bring on my show, it was very, very much strategic in the fact that I, I thought, you know, will, will this person help increase my credibility and my authority with my listeners. And uh, for those of you who who listened to a lot to build your network, you'll know that um, at the very beginning of all my episodes, I uh, have my guests record an audio bumper where they basically endorse me and the show. And uh, that was also very strategic and on purpose because I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I knew I wasn't under any delusions of grandeur. I knew nobody knew who I was. I was starting from scratch, literally zero. I had zero experience online. I had no, no footprint online at all. And uh, so I knew that people wouldn't be searching for Travis Chapel. like people wouldn't, that's not what their Google search would be. People would be searching for Grant Cardone or John Maxwell or Jack Canfield or Molly Bloom or some of these other names, right? So that's, that's who they were searching for. I just wanted to make sure that I was in the search results somewhere. That it was like you know Grant Cardone with Travis Chapel or uh, Jordan Harbinger with Travis Chapel or Amy Porterfield with Travis Chapel. I wanted to make sure that my name was associated with those people, and uh, uh, that really was that really was the key. So uh, you, you networking, yes, you, you, know, you hit the nail on the head with that one. But um, but also it was it was more than that strategic form of basing it off of the association tendency, which is our tendency to associate things with um, uh, things that you don't know with things that you do know. Um, and, uh, and that was, that was really
1: a strategy from the beginning. Awesome. This one's from Al Lundin. He says, what advice would you give 18 year old Travis Chapel?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a loaded question. Um, so many things yeah, <laughs> you would say, uh,
0: it's a little bit unique. Uh, for those of you who don't know my story, I grew up in a very, uh, traditional, um, tight-knit, small religious community-slash-bubble in Southern California, of all spots, which is kind of a crazy spot for that to, to exist in. Um, but it's this little town called Lancaster. Uh, it's in the Antelope Valley, northern L.A. County. And there was this basically mega church campus, really, um, in a subsect of a subsect of Christianity. Um, and I literally lived my entire life there, essentially from the time that I was three until... The time I was 21, I think, is when we moved away. Um, and, and during that time, basically seven days a week, I was on that campus because I went to school there. They have a, a K-12 <clears throat> school on the campus as well as a college um, and a 7,000-member church. So I went to church on the weekends. On, on Sunday, we went to church twice, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then Saturday, we had soul winning. So we'd go for soul winning rally, and then we go knock doors and invite people to church uh, on Sunday. And then Monday through Friday, I had school. And Wednesday night, we had church uh, again, so, uh, three times at church and then all, you know, all day, every day at school, essentially. So, um, you know, literally from the time that I was in kindergarten, all the way through my senior year of college, because I went all the way through college on that one campus, I was living my life on that campus. Uh, and so there's been, I mean, there's, there's so many things that I would tell 18 year old Travis. Uh, but you know what, the part that, that kind of gets me is that 18 year old Travis would, Probably not listen to 27 year old Travis, um, which is the really interesting part, because of in that culture, you know, you're supposed to be the loving ones and, and the giving ones and the caring ones and the understanding ones. And in reality, I was very, very one track minded. And if you didn't agree with me, you were wrong. And that's how I looked at it. And, uh, so, you know, I I would have a lot of really good advice to give to my 18 year old self, but unfortunately my 18 year old self probably wanted nothing to do with me because I don't hold to the same values as my 18 year old self did. And, uh, basically if anybody ever told me anything at that point in my life that didn't hold to the same values that I had, I would basically more or less ignore it and say like, that's not you know, real advice. And so I never, you know, read books from anybody that was outside of my own um, bubble or sphere. I never listened to any outside influences. I never, um, like, we weren't even allowed to listen to, like, Christian contemporary music, like music that had drums in it. We weren't even allowed to listen to that, let alone any sort of, like, rock or pop culture or um, or be invested in any of those types of things. So, man, it's been a 180s from 18-year-old Travis. Um, and so I, I really uh, I really would have a lot of advice, but I'd there, there would be no way I would I would listen to my own advice if I were eighteen, and it's probably the same for you, Eric. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I question everything all the time. So, so I don't. I think I had that part down. I think, I think what you brought up though about listening to people who have different perspectives is important. And um, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, but there, there is something in us where, and I, I think it's, I think it's almost like this kind of evolutionary survival trait of like. If someone doesn't look the same or talk the same or act the same as us, we kind of just sense danger from that perspective. And um, on on my show, I always tell people, it's like, if there is truth out there, then no amount of conversation is going to hurt the truth. It's just going to get us closer to it. And everybody, even if we disagree on something, is going to get us a little bit closer to that. Mm -hmm. And we can pull something from them. Yep. do not want to take everything they say and, and apply it to sure, our lives. Right. But but we can find something from anyone. So I, I kinda echo that that response is like yeah. don't shut someone out because of a different perspective. So you were the you were the questioning kid then growing oh, up. Oh yeah. 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 What's
0: interesting is like I questioned uh, cuz people would assume that of me too cuz I you know I've always had that entrepreneurial itch, you know, type of a spirit or attitude and you know I got in arguments with teachers and things but I I wasn't like the rebellious kid in the youth group or anything. I I was very much like I was bought into the vision, like I was bought into the overarching perspective right. to adopt. You know, it was just like the little things that I would have trouble with where where somebody would tell me to do something, and it was just like, "This doesn't make any sense. Why I'm not allowed to do this?" Like right. those were the things that I questioned. But in terms of like the faith as a whole, or like the organization as a whole, I never questioned any of that.
1: Right. Yeah. I for me, it was a lot of why, why, why. Like, and yeah. and, and, um, and no answers. Well, actually, I mean, I would get answers. I mean, looking back, some of them weren't very substantive, but um, but I think, uh, yeah, I was always questioned. My dad always says like, my brother was the easy. Like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Yeah, and yeah. I was always like the, okay, but why? Right, About right. everything. And it didn't matter if it was about religion. It didn't matter if it was about school. It was like, yeah. why are we going three times? Why are we dressing like, you know? Yeah. And so... Um, do, do you feel like they gave you, like, good answers for that type of stuff? They had dialogue, which I think, again, I think is the most important thing. Is like, like even my parents now we disagree on a lot of things. And I, you know, I I talk about all, all the time. But my parents never shut down a conversation because I was asking a question. Hmm. Yeah, and I think... Good. You know, even if we come to disagreement, at least I can say we talked through it and it wasn't because we said so, which is like the the worst answer. I'm I'm curious
0: to hear your perspective on um, because you have your daughter, right? And she's getting to that age now where she's going to start asking a bunch of questions. She, yeah, she has questions all the time. Yeah. So what, what, what's your guys you know, have you come to a decision on like how you're going to address some of those things, especially when it starts getting into some of these like deeper questions. That's not just like, Hey, you know, how do you say this word? But more like these deep esoterical type, you know? Yeah. I
1: mean, again, it goes back to the same thing. I think it's important to have the conversation. And, and one of the things and I think my wife would agree, maybe not. She'll signal to me is, is, forcing them to do something forcing them to you can't force ideology on somebody mm. I mean you can but it's not going to stick you' gonna well. you're either gonna burn <laughs> them out or they're gonna yeah. it's just never gonna end well and so my job I, I think as a parent is to work on communicating and conveying why something is meaningful to me mm. and why it should be meaningful to them and loving them regardless of whether they take, or deny that yeah obviously i have things that i hope that she takes on and belief systems that she finds as beautiful as i do right but ultimately it's up to her and what i don't ever want to do is just say well because i said so believe that yeah because yeah. that's not that's never worked for yeah. anybody Okay, so this one has been a long time coming, and I'm excited
0: to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years, and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best which is serving your clients, and running your business and then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to Travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's TravisChapel slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon you know, with kids too, and this is something I'm still learning. So if you're an experienced parent out there and you think what I'm saying is utter nonsense, then um, disregard it uh, because I'm not an experienced parent. My son's only 10 months old. Um, But uh, the way that I, the way that I look at it is like, I I feel that a lot of times kids are treated so much as kids that like as an adult, we don't, we don't look at them as a human being. We look at them as like, that's my kid. Like that's Like almost, and not in a you know super rude way or mean way, but like it's like it's it's like having a pet. Like they do what I do. Like I tell them what to do. They do what they're supposed to do. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, then they get a punishment, and then that's bad. And it's like when in reality, like all parenting is is babysitting for eighteen years until they can take care of themselves. You know, like we don't have any control over ultimately what they do which is super scary. And one of my yeah. biggest fears in life in general is like, you know, my son growing up and like not wanting anything to do with me because of something that I did that I messed up on. Right. You know, when, when we were like earlier on in life, but, um, but so f- from that perspective, like, I feel like it's my goal to, to treat him more like an adult faster Right. Like, right. like, so not necessarily treat him like a 20 year old when he's two. Right. But right. treat him like a five year old when he's two or treat him like a 10 year old when he's five or, or like always just assume that he is like forming his own thoughts and opinions and beliefs and, well, and kind of nurturing that.
1: And it's teaching how to think versus what to think. Right. And exactly. I, and I think that's, we share, huge. we share a similar background in, yeah. you know, and for most people outside of my parents, the authority figures taught you what to think. Yeah. And not even taught you, told you to say, yeah. this is what you think. Yeah. And if you disagree, not only are you like wrong, but you are living in sin. Like right. You're sinful. Right. right. And if you have to, com- if you have to get your beliefs spread out that way, then you have a very fragile belief system. Yeah. Right. If I truly believe that I hold to something that's important and valuable, I'm going to teach you how to think about things. And then that option is going to look legitimately enticing to you yeah. if that's the right direction to go right and i think that's the way to go is is how to not what to yeah um, oh cool that was i mean that was a good question yeah thanks yeah thanks al really good question Appreciate all it. all right guys thank you for <laughs> watching no. um, um so this question comes from natasha i never know how to say her last name Bulls. Bulls. yeah is it Bulls? okay that's symbol um skorzynski is like that's a really <laughs> hard name um so you have a new show called world class what do you think makes someone world class Hmm. Uh, it's a good question, Natasha.
0: Um, that's kind of why I started the show to be honest was I wanted to answer that question for myself because i I wanted to go have more conversations with world-class people and ask them that, like what, what have you done to get to where you are? But, um, if I were just to say something off the top of my head with the people I've had conversations with, with build your network and things, um, I think that it's just the relentless pursuit of perfecting your craft. Um, I think that's what makes somebody world-class. And if you look at all the top people that are out there, you know, talent has something to do with it. In every world-class people are talented, right? Like there's no getting around that. If you're world-class at something, it's probably because you're somewhat talented at that. But world-class is also people who work really hard. Like talent is not enough to get you to world-class. Talent is enough to get you good. Right. It gets you recognized, maybe gets you great, maybe even It'll go viral once or. Yeah, sure. You know. But but to be consistently good all the time, like that's a world class. Like you look at somebody um, even in, in the in the comedy world, like you look at somebody like um, a Jim Gaffigan, you know, right. really a clean comedian, uh, which is very rare. But also he just always has new material. Right. All, he's prolific, always just writing more comedy, writing comedy, writing comedy, right? Like, I don't know anybody who just, like, keeps coming out with specials okay. every single time. Right. And it was funny, because I was having those types of thoughts and uh, uh, about him, and I was just like, man, it seems like he's always, like, he's always putting out something new, you know? Right. And a lot of comedians do one or two, and then they're done, you know? And this guy's just always putting out something. And I, I was listening to him on uh, Conan O'Brien recently, and uh, he said, he uh, Conan actually said the same thing to him, and he was like, you are one of the most, you know, just consistent, like comics that exist. You just always are, you continue to pursue the craft. You continue to pursue being good at what it is that you do, even though you don't have to at this point, right? Like somebody like Jim Gaffigan can sell out any arena he wants to because of his name, because of the work he's already done. He doesn't have to put in as much work as he did when he first started, but he still does. And and that's what I, I think that, that, uh, is, that makes somebody world-class is that is like you gotta have a little bit of talent. Like look at somebody like, like a LeBron James, like he's a world-class athlete. Is he talented? Yes. There is no arguing that that man is a freak of nature, like built to be af- an athlete, right? Just right. like Zion Williamson or some of these other some of these other um, athletes that are coming up. And but if he were just that, there's so many stories of people who were talented and then made it to the to the to the league, whether it's NBA or NFL or MLB or any of these other professional sports and just crashed and burned because they got sucked into the party scene and just wanted to like, they, just, they blew their money on, on bottle service and didn't and lost, they lost a uh, sight of the thing that got them there to begin with, which was the craft. Right. And they happened to be good enough at it because they were born with a natural talent and maybe fostered it a little bit. But ultimately the journey of becoming world-class is about finding the thing that you have a little bit of natural ability in and
1: then just going all in and working really
0: hard to get there. So I,
1: I think it's that combination. Well, I think uh, I, I think actually a good example is Tommy Lahren, Like the first episode we dropped of World Class, and like she talks. Uh, you asked her like, what was the what was the goal? Yeah. And she said, you know, the goal was always Fox, yeah. but I treated every job along the way like I was all in. And yeah, so right. whether it was the Blaze, whether it was any of the jo- yeah. you know, one American one News American Network, News, you know, yeah. like she was she was giving it Fox level. Right talent and right. effort so you were only at one America for a year before a little over a year. Yeah, okay.
0: gotcha So you were there for a year then you? Jump at the opportunity to do this thing that really was essentially your dream job right to, to work at the blaze like with Glenn Beck And let's be of clear of stuff. the
1: dream job was always Fox News okay. But yes, that was Got the it. next step in the progression because I knew that I wasn't gonna jump here yet yeah. I knew that I needed more training and another more stepping growth. stone. Yeah, exactly. So um I, I, I enjoyed the fact that this was the next and I didn't, I never looked at the blaze as a stepping stone. I think that people also get caught up in that where they're like, that same thing like this isn't where I want to be, that's where I want to be, but this is going to get me there. No, everything I go into, I go into really for the long haul. I'm going to do it until, and I'm going to do it until I've reached the potential I can reach there and I need to do something else challenging. I never look at something as just like, oh well this is just going to get me to this place. It's no, this is, this is where I'm going to be until, I hit the ceiling, yeah. and then the, where's the next ceiling? And that's what got her to Fox at twenty six or right. twenty five, which is insane, yeah. S- extremely close to my age, and <laughs> <she's> extremely <laughs> successful. And um, but I think that's the kind of world class attitude, and it's the same, right. you can see it with comedians. The relentless as well, relentless pursuit, like, yeah. of being good. Yeah, and there's there's comedians who you know Bobby Lee talks about all the time. Like he's had the shows where there's like three people there. Yeah, he's like I perform it like. Right. Any other show, you know, right. and that, and that's why guys like that stick around, Yeah. you know, is because when they get in those jobs that maybe aren't the dream job or the goal job, they're still giving it their world class effort, yeah. so to speak. And I think I think that speaks a lot to it. And, and Gary Vaynerchuk touches on that a lot with, the uh, you know, something
0: I talk to my coaching clients a lot about, which is the one is greater than zero thing. Right, right. And that's the, the same concept is that. You know, when Tommy was working at One American News Network and nobody watched her show and nobody cared what this girl had to say in some random, you know, show in San Diego, like at that time, she was putting just as much effort or more into right. into right. her segments and what she was doing than, you know, as much as she is now at, when she's working at Fox Nation and like a, a, a host on Fox News, like the, like a, one of the largest news organizations in the entire yeah. world. At 26, and now she's 27. Being able to come into that type of an opportunity, um, like she she was in that relentless pursuit, regardless of if there were three people listening, or if there were a million people listening, or in her case, 75 million, which is literally some of the views that she's gotten right. on, a, on a gotten on a few of her videos. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's that it's that consistency to like you know even when you don't feel like it, you still are doing it. And, right. uh, I think, you know, a really fantastic example of this, um, that's obviously been in the news a ton recently is Kobe Bryant and, uh, uh Kobe, regardless of, you know, when I, so my, my story with Kobe with, with Kobe is that I was a huge Laker fan when I was a kid, I grew up in the LA County area. And, um, but I really loved watching Shaq, you know, like I was a huge Shaq fan. And so like Shaq and Kobe had this beef and then Kobe peaced out or Shaq peaced out and, and Kobe stayed in LA and uh, so I was rooting for Shaq. I wanted him to win or whatever. And, uh, and uh, so I, I kind of just like stopped watching Kobe as much, but I never, ever like stopped admiring him because of exactly what we're talking about. And now that, now that I'm able to connect with a bunch of people who have been able to hang out with him and that were good friends of his, um, they say the same exact thing. And uh, you know, I was listening to an interview recently. I think it was, I think it was Allen Iverson. Uh, in an in, in interview with Alan Iverson, he was talking about it. And uh, he was talking about one of the first times that he hung out with Kobe. It was in LA and, um, and AI was going to go to a club that night. And so he was like, Hey man, you know, I'm going to this club. You want to go with me? I don't know what you're doing tonight. And Kobe was like, Oh no, I'm headed to the gym. And so even during that time, he's already a professional athlete. He's already getting paid millions and millions of dollars. And he probably would continue to get paid millions of dollars if he did not go to the gym that night, but he didn't care like he was on a per, he was on a journey he was in pursuit of a goal and nothing was going to sidetrack him from achieving that goal Well that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chapel, and produced by Eric Sforzinski. It is a World Class Media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So, if you want your own show, you have the budget to create one but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to travischapel.com/make my podcast. That's slash make my podcast and let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us until next time. Peace out and stay world-class.